1: Pritchett.
2: We welcome you to a victory Monday on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the fighting Irish sports radio 960 WSBT 508 on this Monday, November the 20th of 2023. I'm Darren Pritchett from our studios in downtown South Bend, and we've got a two-hour program ready to roll for you tonight. Then at 7 o'clock, we have Caveman Corner here on WSBT Radio, an inside look at Mishawaka High School Athletics. Among the guests tonight will be Mishawaka Boys Basketball Coach, Bodie Bender and three members of the varsity basketball team coming off a sectional championship win last year. They start their new season at Tippecanoe Valley on Wednesday. Then at 7.45, we have Monday Night Football, a rematch of Super Bowl 57. The Philadelphia Eagles at Arrowhead to take on the world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by three points at home. We'll be picking this game at the end of the program in our We Going to Sizzler segment. We had our 10-pack of picks on Thursday because we did not have a show on Friday because of Irish basketball. I went 5-5 of my college football and NFL picks, so not great, not awful, just kind of middle of the pack. We'll try to do better tonight with Monday Night Football. Three of our four picks, center round, that Eagles-Chiefs showdown in Kansas City tonight. We'll also be following the progress of two Indiana basketball teams in action right now. Indiana and Louisville are playing in New York City. 7-21 to go in the first half. Indiana has jumped out finally in front of Louisville, 21-18. Meanwhile, Purdue got off to a blazing start against Gonzaga in Hawaii. They jumped out to a 6-0 lead, but the Zags have scored eight straight to take an 8-6 lead. The first two possessions, it was just Zach Eady in the high post, and with one defender on him, he just spun to his left and did a little kind of semi-hook shot twice from 13 feet and buried both of them. Not sure what you can do if you're Gonzaga when that tall of a guy Starts making those type of shots. Maybe you can double team in to throw them off balance. But Gonzaga played Edie straight up the first couple of possessions. We'll see if they will change that. It's now 10-6. Gonzaga, the Zags are on a 10-0 run. So we'll continue to follow the progress of those two basketball games. But, of course, we're here to talk Notre Dame football following the Irish taking down Wake Forest 45-7. At Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday. The fighting Irish are now eight and three and will take on the Stanford Cardinal. That game Saturday night out on the farm in Palo Alto, 7 o'clock Eastern Time kick. We've got the game for you on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage will start at 1 p.m. Eric Tyler and I will have Game Day Sports be brought to you by Bud Light from 4 until 6 o'clock. Saturday afternoon, the Irish are a 26-point favorite against the Cardinal out on the farm. All right, we've got our hat trick of opening topics to kick off the program. Tyler Horka joins me from Blue and Gold Illustrated at the bottom of the hour. Twitter question of the day later on this hour. We will take a look back at the Irish home schedule in the 6 o'clock hour. Plus, you'll hear from Irish quarterback Sam Hartman. His press conference following the win over his old team, Wake Forest. And then we'll end the program with a little sizzler here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's get started with our hat trick of opening topics where we break down the Notre Dame Wake Forest contest. We'll go offense, defense, and special teams. We begin with the Fighting Irish Offense. Second half, fantastic. First half was a little stumbly. Iris led 17-7 at halftime. End of the first half, you had Notre Dame spiking the football to stop the clock. And before they ran another play, play clock was winding down and Notre Dame was forced to use... Their final timeout of the first half, which ultimately cost them a shot of getting into the end zone for seven. They settled for a field goal with 10 seconds left in the first half. A couple of times in the ballgame, you could see quarterback Sam Hartman visibly frustrated with something. He looked to the sideline and kind of like, what's going on? Was it late checks? Was it the play not getting in on time? You know, we could have guessed a lot of things. Earlier today in Marcus Freeman's Monday press conference, which I heard on WSBT radio, he was asked about the offensive communication issue a couple of times in the ballgame, but in particular, the issue cost them a chance for a touchdown late in the first half.
3: Yeah, it was a little bit of the the one before half was was it was a, a wristband error kind of read right read the right one wrong one. It was one of and it's happened plenty of other times this year, right? And that's the point of sometimes um, not wanting to signal you know everything and, and to be able to change up how you communicate from the sideline to your quarterback that at times you might read the wrong wristband number. And I think at that point Sam was like. That's not the play we want right now. And so there was a community that's why we had to call a timeout. But um, it's a part of the game, you know, and uh, we want to be flawless. And uh, But at the end of the day, we got to make sure that on the next play, on this play, let's make sure we execute the right way.
2: My 25 years here, I've never heard that happen before, but I assume it does happen from time to time. Marcus offering his side of what happened at the end of the first half, whatever the case may be, you could see – Sam Hartman like, what? Seriously? Irish kicked field goal and unfortunately, that diving catch after the timeout kept the clock running. You want to just drop that football to stop the clock, but the Irish ended up getting the field goal up 17-7 at halftime. The good news is great communication, great everything in the second half. The Irish put up four touchdowns and 28 points to pull away. And win by 38 at the end of the day after a slow start Sam Hartman started cooking 21 of 29 for 277 yards four touchdown passes with no interceptions after the game Saturday head coach Marcus Freeman on the play of his quarterback facing his old team Wake Forest
3: you know he's a poster child for consistency um, you know we, we tried to create some, some early success, some early easy throws. Uh, you know, one was dropped or maybe throwing a little bit high, but uh, he was able to just really get to the sideline, um, focus on what he had to do. Hey, what did you see? And, and really went out there and performed um, really well. And it can't be easy. I've done it as a coach. Um, I remember a couple years ago, we played Cincinnati, right? and, and, there is normal distractions that there, the human element presents when you play a, a, a team, an opponent, where you know every person on that side like Sam does. It's different. He was with those guys for five years with that coaching staff. And so for him to be able to put that distraction away and really um, perform the way he did is a testament to, to who he is and, and the confidence and the consistency that he provides.
2: You know what else helped Sam? A little play-action game. We'll get to that. The wide receivers on this football team throughout this season, the young guys are growing on the field. Young guys trying to figure it out, learning from Coach Stuckey each and every day, trying to make that continued adjustment to big-time college football. And, you know, there have been hiccups along the way. The wide receivers have been in the spotlight a lot Not getting separation. You know the storylines. But here I think is some of the good news. Have there been ups and downs for the freshman group this year at wide receiver? Of course. We have to expect that. But I think the positive in all of this, they are getting a lot of playing time. And it looks like the same guys we just talked about can be part of the solution going forward the reason why the passing game becomes more consistent in the future part of that solution are these young wide receivers rico flores jr nine targets against wake forest eight catches for 102 yards do you know the last time an irish wide receiver had 100 receiving yards in a game You have to go back to Marcus Freeman's first game as head coach against Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. Zero Irish wide receivers last season, went over 100 receiving yards. It did not happen this year until Flores hit the century mark. There's a good-looking freshman. You got the walk-on, Jordan Faison. Continues to produce. Got to play him. Five targets, four catches for 39 and a score. Another freshman, Jaden Greathouse. Three targets, three catches, 71 yards and a touchdown. You could argue Greathouse's development. I don't want to say stall. that's, That's an inappropriate word. But maybe the progress has not increased at the same level as some of the other guys because he left the slot to play an outside receiver position. You probably imagine him more in the slot going forward. So, like, for example, if Chris Tyree does not come back, you got to look at Jaden Greathouse as a guy extremely capable of taking his spot. Tobias Merriweather, back in the starting lineup. Four targets, two catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown. And then you had the tight end, Eli Raritan. you got to be happy for him. Two ACL injuries. Slow to come back this year. Probably had to get over some mental hurdles. Once he started playing, he didn't go out and pass patterns. He was just a blocker. Now you start to see his role expand. And in this matchup against Wake Forest. Raritan, three catches, 39 yards, and you know what? Good for him. He even found the end zone, the first three catches of many in his Notre Dame football career. So it's great to see Eli Raritan starting to round into form. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman, after the game on Saturday, offered these thoughts on an exciting night for his Irish wide-receiving core.
3: Went over 100 yards, which is the first time for maybe any of our White House this year. and You know, it's just a testimony to just continue to battle, continue to prepare, continue to work, because you don't know when the opportunities present, present themselves. That was a conversation, a message I had to the team this week in terms of as individuals, you don't know when your opportunity is coming. It could be in the game, it can be if you're red shirt and it can be any different, it can be a coach, and you just have to continue to make the choice to work to do the thing. Everybody wants, as I said, everybody wants to to catch a hundred yards and have a hundred yards receiving. But who's willing to put the work in that it takes so that when the opportunity presents itself, like today, that you do it. And so um, it was good to see that I saw Tobias had a big catch, and I called Tobias. I was walking uh, to the training room, and he was in there studying film and studying action by himself. And I remember saying, like. That's, a, that's an example of what I'm talking about. Continue to put that work in. At some point, it's going to be rewarding. I said something to him after he scored that TD catch that, uh, you know, that's a reflection of your preparation. So they have to believe that. I, I don't really believe in luck, you know. I am a faithful person, but I I believe in cause and effect. And so you have to continue to put the work in. And at some point, if you do it the right way and you're consistent in how you, you put the work in, you will have the effect that you want. You will have the production and performance you want.
2: I'm going to give credit on this next stat to Matt Freeman at Irish Sports Daily. They did the research on this, so I don't want to steal their numbers without giving them full credit. But what was highly talked about last week and the week before? The Clemson game. After using the play action successfully against Pittsburgh... Two play-action passes and 36 drop-backs against Clemson with all those freshman corners on the field for Clemson. But we heard because Clemson was playing man, play action is not going to work. Well, a little different story against Wake Forest. They used the play-action game, and it is a major reason why this offense looked like it did in the second half. According to Irish Sports Daily, Play action passing game. You got to kind of factor in RPOs. 8 of 11, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, those are big-time numbers. Again, play action game that was bypassed against Clemson on a very predictable day. Against Wake Forest, play action passing game, 8 of 11, 136 yards, and two touchdowns
1: Aha. Aha.
2: no sacks allowed by the offensive line the rushing attack 30 carries for 137 4.6 yards per carry and a touchdown nice going audric Estime. over 1100 rushing yards for the season went over 100 yards in this game 22 carries for 115 a touchdown and 5.2 yards per carry and Marcus Freeman had to leave him in the game in the fourth quarter to get over the century mark.
3: You know, we talked about it, and, and you know, we wanted to get him over 100 yards, and I think he ended up having 115, and uh, that was important to us to, you know, possibly his last game in Notre Dame Stadium uh, to be able to get him over 100 yards, and so uh, it was good for him to do
2: that. Nice going, Audric Estime, 14th most rushing yards in a season by a Notre Dame rusher. It's Audric Estime, again, with over 1,100 rushing yards this year. All in all, in particular in the second half, Marcus Freeman watched his offense produce a lot of points and a lot of yards against Wake Forest.
3: It definitely was needed. I think, um, you know, the confidence when you don't have the performance that you aspire to have, it, it can – it messes with your confidence, right? And, and you can be as courageous as you want, but but – still have a lack of confidence inside because of the performance, right? And, and so it was much needed. Um, it's a testament to how they prepared, uh, the adjustments they made, and um, the execution of the game plan. So I'm really happy for Coach Parker and that whole offensive staff and then that offensive side of the ball. I'm really pleased with the performance tonight.
2: Marcus Freeman, head coach of this 8-3 and three fighting Irish football team. They should be 9-3. After the matchup against Stanford, again, the Irish favored by 26 points. I've got more to get to on the defense and special teams, but I'm a little tight on time. we got to get Tyler Horker on the program at 5.30 because there is a Notre Dame football media session, the last of the week, coming up at 6 o'clock, so I want to make sure he's got plenty of time to settle in to hear from both coordinators and some players. So we'll put the defense and special teams talk on hold until a little later. We'll bring Tyler on coming up next. It is 525 on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: It is a victory Monday on the program. The Irish took care of Wake Forest 45 7 at Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday, just 17 7, the advantage at halftime. All Fighting Irish, and the second half to move their record to eight and three, heading to Palo Alto to take on Stanford Saturday night at seven o'clock. We welcome back to the program, Game Day Sports Beat co-host, and also of course the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, BlueandGold.com. Tyler Horky's had a busy day today. Marcus Freeman's presser. Neil Ivey had a media session and now getting set to talk to coordinators and Notre Dame football players in just a few moments. So we appreciate Tyler's time on a very, very active day. Tyler, I guess kind of the discussion we in the media have had with ourselves and fans over the last two weeks since the Clemson game. We know that Wake Forest and Stanford, they are not the competition that Notre Dame has seen recently with the likes of Duke and Louisville and Ohio State and Clemson. This is a big drop-off, and the debate was, if the Irish offense looks really, really good, how do we put that into perspective? Does it change the way we feel about the play calling and the and the player execution? I'll let you just kind of jump on board here. What did you take away from what the Irish offense was able to do and, and struggle with at times in the first half against Wake Forest. Yeah, in the first half,
4: obviously, you kind of sat there thinking, oh, no, here we go again. I kind of thought it was mostly Sam Hartman's fault, some of those throws. I mean, and then it, it was actually, Darren, we've heard this so many times this season, it was kind of execution in that first half. Yep. I mean, look at the very first play of the game. I think Chris Tyree drops a ball that's right in his hands. He's a pretty sure-handed guy. He's been Notre Dame's best, most consistent wide receiver all season long. He just drops a pass. And, I mean, last week I asked Marcus Freeman about the first down issues and Audric Estime not running efficiently. And I kind of blame that on the fact that, well, he was running every single first down. So the Clemson defense knew what was coming. I really like that Jared Parker went to a throw there on that very first play of the game. But you got to complete it because when you don't, you're at second and ten. And that might as well be an Audric Estame run that gets stuck right at the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's the same exact result. So, it was execution then. And I think maybe the the blunder, I mean, at the end of the first half, that was all game management. And uh, that, that was coaching execution. We've talked about player execution. That was coaching execution because – and a little bit of a player execution as well because Holden State should not have caught that ball that went for a four-yard loss. But <laughs> – I think that kind of woke them up, Darren, and you saw in the second half, I mean, the play actions were hitting the touchdown to Eli Raritan to get things going in the second half was awesome. Uh, Steve Angeli, his touchdown pass to Jordan Vaison was technically still play action. I mean, he faked a handoff before he threw that ball, as minor as the handoff might have been. I mean, he was never handing that thing off, but there was just a lot to like in that second half. So, I mean, Darren, two play action plays, against clemson for the entire game i just mentioned two play action touchdowns against wake forest and there was a whole lot more play action scattered throughout that game so i don't know if jared parker's listening to the program reading the clippings or what i I, he's he's a smart enough guy to figure it out on his own i'm sure but it was definitely again like you said against an inferior opponent but that's what you're supposed to do to a team like that score 45 points and, and look like a formidable offense, and that's what Notre Dame was for the most part on Saturday.
2: With all the success of play action in this game, as you partially documented, and again, Irish Sports Daily went back, and they have – Hartman against play action, 8 of 11, 136 yards and two touchdowns after what we witnessed against Clemson. Doesn't it kind of validate that that whole thing was just a colossal failure by the offensive Mm -hmm. coaching staff, in particular against a Clemson secondary that had a ton of young pups ready to be abused?
4: Yeah, well, I didn't like the way that Marcus Freeman responded to the media about that either. If you go back a week ago today when we asked Marcus Freeman uh, about the lack of play action, his response was, well, if, we, if it was guaranteed to produce yards and touchdowns and whatnot, then we would do it. Mm. Well, my response to that was, you don't know if it's going to or not if you only do it two times. That is a way too small of a sample size to know if that particular scheme, a play action, sp- speaking specifically of that part of the game, you didn't know if it was going to work or if it wasn't going to work if you only do it two times. So they opened it up a little bit against Wake Forest. And, I mean, absolutely, it was an indictment on what happened against Clemson. And then it was kind of – I wouldn't call it retribution because you're never going to get what happened against Clemson back. That's always going to stick with you. But it was a sign that, hey, yeah, okay, Marcus, maybe we're not guaranteeing that it's going to work, but 11 passes is a lot larger sample size than – Two, and when you're completing eight of them for all of those yards that you mentioned, a couple touchdowns, I would say that it's well worth it. And, and Marcus said today, to his credit, that play action has to be a part of the game plan moving forward in these next two games, and I suspect that it will be.
2: The fans and the media complain about Audrick Estime not getting enough carries earlier in the year, and then all of a sudden he started getting more carries. We complain about no play action. We get a lot of play action. Maybe we should add something to our list for this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm joking, of course. But I'll tell you what, Tyler. Steve Angeli in mop-up roles has looked really, really good. Two-part question. What would you mm-hmm. like his role to be on Saturday against Stanford and with what you have seen, has it altered your thinking about Angeli's role on next year's team?
4: Well, so the first part of that, I really think that kind of inside the building, inside the Goog, the only thing that you can look at this season now, and Marcus Freeman kind of alluded to it a little bit today, all you can do is win these last two games and get to 10 wins. And I think Sam Hartman is at the center of that. So if games are close, He's going to play. Sam Hartman walked off the podium, away from the dice um, on Saturday, and he said, "We got two of these left." So it seems like he's going to play in a bowl game no matter what. I would like to see a little bit more of Steve Angeli because that—that was your question. You're asking me. Yep. I mean, I would love to see Steve Angeli get a half if you could somehow find a way to be winning by... I think it would take like a four-touchdown lead at halftime, and we haven't seen that from Notre Dame a whole lot this year. Like you said, it was a ten-point game at halftime against uh, Wake Forest. What was it against Central Michigan? Like One touchdown, was it? I mean, that game was even close. So I don't expect it to be a blowout at halftime, but man, if somehow you could find a way for it to be... I would put Steve Angeli in for the whole half and say, hey, you're on the road. you played probably... I don't know, five snaps in the third quarter all year. I think he got the whole half against Tennessee State, maybe it was, where he played the entire second half. If he could play the entire second half, I know there's not going to be a lot of fans out there in Palo Alto. It's going to be a little bit of a sleepy environment. But, man, that would be something that we haven't seen. Steve Angeli in a white road jersey (laughs) playing a lot of football. That's what I would like to see. Uh, and then remind me of the second part of your question. I'm not a coach, so I, I don't uh, remember those things.
2: <laughs> actually, you're sounding like a coach. You don't remember the second part, so you got the job. You're yeah. making millions now. No, my second but part of is...
4: Do remember them, so.
2: <laughs> have you altered your thinking about what he could be oh, for yeah. next year's team?
4: Yeah, I know. That, that was a really good question. I think Tyler James of Inside NZ Sports might have asked it. And when I was getting ready for the press conference today, that was at the top of my list. He got the microphone before I did, so good on him for asking it because I kind of wanted to, wanted to know what Freeman's thought on that was like, do you have a guy that you think can start against Texas A&M in the season opener next year? I don't think they've answered that question. I don't think I've answered that question for myself. I still don't know, but I know that I feel a lot more comfortable on, uh, what is it? November 20th than I did on August 20th. I mean, you can't deny 19 of 24 for, I think it's 260 something yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. All you can ask Steve Angeli to to do this season was come in and play mop up duty and play in garbage time. And I mean, sometimes interceptions are thrown in garbage time. When a quarterback doesn't get it, it, it's very clear that he doesn't get it. And Steve Angeli has not been that so far. All he's done is get it like to a really good degree. And, so I absolutely feel a lot better about having that guy on your roster going into 2024 than I did three months ago.
2: He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Also co-host of Game Day Sports Beat, brought to you by Bud Light, Saturday from 4-6 here on WSBT Radio. I kind of feel like Al Golden got ripped off today not being a semifinalist for the Broyles Award, which goes to the top yeah. assistant coach in America. A lot of good coaches. Two former Notre Dame offensive coordinators are on the semifinalist: Mike Denbrock at LSU and Tommy Reese at Alabama. But for Al Golden, he's had a tremendous year, and I almost feel like, Tyler, he's not on the semifinalist because the record's not good enough, mainly because the offense wasn't up to the standard of the defense this year.
4: Yeah, you see it within games, and then you see it, with the whole product, which is what Al Golden was, uh, on the wrong end of today. When I say within games itself, how many times do you see a defense playing really well? And then it can only hang on for so long because the offense isn't doing its part. And all of a sudden the building kind of caves in on itself. That's what happened with Golden not being named a semifinalist today. Obviously he was a nominee. Um, but yeah, it's and that happened to Notre Dame a couple of times, I think, The Louisville game is definitely an example of that. Uh, Clemson wasn't Notre Dame's best defensive performance, but when it came down to winning time and it was the fourth quarter and you had to shut Clemson down, the Notre Dame defense absolutely did that, and the Notre Dame offense did not reciprocate. So Al Golden is – I have totally – I wouldn't say come around. I was always an Al Golden guy, but at this point – I'm a, hey, you can't afford to lose Al Golden. I, that That's the camp that I find myself in. I don't know if I was there at the beginning of the season because I always just kind of thought that he was going to come here for a cup of coffee and then go do uh, his next venture. I mean, he's at that stage of his career where he, he can kind of bounce around and do whatever he wants. Man, if, if Notre Dame has Al Golden in 2024, then I think that would be a massive win yeah. because regardless of what this list says today, Darren, with the semifinalists, Being narrowed down, Al Golden is absolutely one of the best coordinators in college football.
2: 100% agree. You look at the portal, a guy like Thomas Harper was a solid addition for this football team playing the nickel. And I wasn't quite sure what they were going to get out of Javante John Baptiste, the transfer Mm -hmm. from Ohio State. Early on, he was okay, but I'll tell you what, Tyler, as the season has gone on, I have become more impressed with the way he has played for this football team. His ability to go sideline to sideline has been very important for this football team. Yeah,
4: both of those guys that you just mentioned. I mean, Thomas Harpler is one of the most sure-handed tacklers on this team. And and the team's actually been really good at tackling. I've said it before and throughout the season. Anytime Notre Dame, maybe outside of uh, Jawar Jordan and Louisville. And by the way, that's a 10-1 football team. So, that guy's made a lot of guys miss, mm-hmm. uh, no matter who he plays. But the, the issue with Notre Dame has, has never really been tackling, and Thomas Harper kind of embodies that, where if he's got a chance to bring a guy down, he does it. Javante John-Baptiste is the same way on the defensive line. Sets the edge really well. Like you mentioned, Darren, how many times do you see big number one getting out to the sidelines and, and angling a guy out of bounds? He doesn't even need to put his hands on Uh, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, whatever it may be. I've seen time and time again him just get out there, and the ball carrier wants uh, nothing to do with a guy that big, moving that fast, getting all the way out into space like that. So he's been great. Uh, Notre Dame has been lacking a pass rusher. I don't think Notre Dame brought him in to be that. I mean, that should be coming from the Viper position. The Viper position has been a disappointment. But Javante Jean-Baptiste, absolutely has not been a disappointment because every little thing that you ask him to do, again, you're not asking him to get a sack on every play. You're asking him to do a lot of the nitty-gritty stuff. He does it all so well, and he filled a really big void on that Notre Dame defense this year.
2: Do you have a gut feeling which linebackers might be back and which won't? Because it just seems like there are some older guys that still have an opportunity to come back with a lot of young guys. They're kind of ready for that opportunity at this point.
4: Isn't it so crazy, Darren, that it seems like all three of those guys are pretty much in the exact same position.
2: I mean, they all have one more
4: year of eligibility left. They've all played a ton of football at Notre Dame, but none of them really have that jump off the page NFL future. I mean, I, they're all going to put it this way. When these scouts give the Notre Dame coaching staff, their NFL grades in a couple of weeks and says, Hey, here's the guys that I think should probably come out. Here's the guys you might want to, Think about keeping there. I think all those guys are going to get the same exact grade. I mean, maybe – like, I'm I'm thinking about it right now, and I don't know who has a better NFL future out of Maris Leopold, Jack Kaiser, and J.D. Bertrand. So then I I think it kind of falls on the coaching staff to have the difficult conversations with those three guys because, like you said, there are some younger guys who are waiting and just be like, these guys can't stay here forever, can they? Well, actually – they can all come back for one more year. <laughs> so it's interesting if they do interesting, if they don't, obviously. And I don't think it's going to be an all or nothing thing. I, I think, you know, one of them is going to say, Hey, yep, yeah, this is it for me. Maybe that's his decision. And maybe another guy, the coaching staff says, Hey, like we really need to do something here about this position. Like not a little, like thank you, push out the door type of thing. Cause that happens in college football, whether you like it or not. So, It's going to be really interesting because I honestly have no idea. It's like throwing darts at a dartboard, basically, with those three guys.
2: What intrigues you about Stanford? Anything concerns you with the Irish heading out there on Saturday?
4: Well, it concerns me uh, that Notre Dame lost to this same exact struggling program a year ago, and there's kind of a little bit more juice with it, being that There's a new head coach, offensive guy. They like to throw in a lot of wrinkles. They could catch Notre Dame napping, those types of things. So that's what concerns me. I think intangibly, though, the fact that Notre Dame knows that it lost to this team last year and knows it can't afford to do it again, I like that. Uh, Notre Dame needs to put a really good road game under its belt for the final opportunity that it has this year because they haven't played, like, a really, really good road game since the NC State game on September yeah. 9th, if you ask me. So I think that's in the back of their minds or maybe even the front of their minds. Look, Stanford is 3-8 and eight for a reason. I know that there's that one game where they played Washington close, but go look up the scores against U- USC, Oregon, UCLA even, who's not a good football team. And have they let go of Chip Kelly yet, or is that happening no. soon? Like, that's, that's conversation that's out there, and they just got thumped. By that Bruins team. That is the Stanford team that is in 2023. It's not the team that kept it close with Washington. So if Notre Dame just goes out there, takes care of business, and finally plays a complete road game, it shouldn't have a whole lot of issue with this team.
2: Finally, I saved this question for last. It's more about next year, but I offered this analysis to my listeners in my opening segment. Let me run it by you very, very quickly. There's no doubt the Mm -hmm. wide receiving core has had its ups and downs this year when you have very young wide receivers. That is more than likely going to happen. You expect that. But is it fair to say that going into next year, trying to solve some of the issues at wide receiver, that a couple of the guys currently on the roster that are young guys very likely are going to be a part of the solution next year to more consistent wide receiver play?
4: Yeah, I wrote about that at blueandgold.com. There's a whole article there if you guys want to go check that out. But, I mean, we saw Jaden Greathouse running as fast as I've ever seen him run in a Notre Dame uniform, and it was kind of like, thank God. Not, not finally, because I know we saw it a little bit against Navy and earlier in the year, but it's like, okay, he still has that in him even after the hamstring. Like, his career is not going to be ruined by this one hamstring injury that hampered him throughout his freshman year. So I think he's a guy. I think Rico Flores Jr., eight catches, 102 yards. I mean, he is – the quintessential chain mover, get past the sticks, find a soft spot in the zone, just put the ball on him, and then he, he can get you those yards after the catch as well. He's not the fastest guy, but he's savvy. He makes plays. Those two guys are absolutely a part of the solution. Jordan Faison, we still don't know, like, everything about that little speedster, but we do know he's fast as heck and can get behind defenders, and we've seen, we've seen him catch the ball in the end zone twice now, and he's only played four or five games. That is something that can carry into 2024. And then I think Braylon James is a guy that we haven't seen just because he's kind of had the Tobias Merriweather route where he's not entirely ready yet. I think he might be a late developer that really catches on at some point in his career because he's got the traits that you really want in in a speedy outside receiver. So I know it was a frustrating year, like you said, Darren, but the pieces are there. The pieces are young. This isn't really a place that has a whole lot of wide receivers break out early. And we've seen enough from Great House and Flores to know that they will. And I suspect James will at some point as well. So the future is absolutely bright. They just went through some growing pains this year.
2: He is Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out the latest Notre Dame football news at blueandgold.com. Tyler, I know you got to run for a media session. I appreciate you doing this. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And we'll talk to you on Saturday.
4: Yeah, I just want to say that listening to that weather report right before I came on with you, (laughs) I am very, very glad that I'm headed west and going to California for the holiday.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy the nice weather out there in California, and we'll chat with you on Saturday. All right, thanks, Darren. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, read him right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, and he will join Eric Hansen and I for game day sports speed, brought to you by Bud Light, Saturday from 4.00. Until six o'clock. It is 5 51 on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, and we're being brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend, football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's Adolin Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu/solidground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future and South Bend Orthopedics trusted in the community for 75 years. 5.56 at WSBT, Darren Pritchett back with you. Some recruiting news within the last little bit. The Notre Dame football team has picked up a commitment from 2025 cornerback Cree Thomas. Thomas made the announcement this afternoon. He picked the Fighting Irish over schools like Oregon, Wisconsin, and a handful of others. If you want to learn more about Thomas and his recruitment and picking Notre Dame, you can check out Mike Singer's article, which is available right now at blueandgold.com. He is 6'1", 170 pounds, prospect number 372 in the country for the class of 2025. The on-three industry ranking has this cornerback number 43 in the nation, and he is the number two recruit from his home state of Arizona. So there you go, another Member of the class of 2025, it is cornerback Creed Thomas. Read more about it at blueandgold.com. Also, Eric Hansen and the crew, they've got information at insideindiesports.com. All right, 558 at WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: It is time for our Twitter question of the day and results from last week. Now, we did not have a program on Friday due to Notre Dame basketball, so I've got a Thursday question and a Friday question to recap, then we'll get to today's question. Our Twitter X question of the day from Thursday. What is the most likely outcome of the Notre Dame-Wake Forest game? 8% thought Wake Forest would win the game. 34% said Notre Dame would win by 21 or more points. Well, that turned out to be the correct answer. The most votes... Most people weren't overly confident Notre Dame would blow out Wake Forest. I think mainly due to what we saw offensively against Clemson. It just caused them to have recency bias. 58% thought Notre Dame would win between a total of 1 and 20 points. Then on Friday... I asked on my Twitter X account at 960 Sports what is the correct parlay for the Notre Dame Wake Forest game. Fourth place in the voting, Notre Dame -24 and under 46 and a half points. Well, Notre Dame laying 24 was right, but the under was wrong. Third place in the voting, Wake Forest +24 and over 46 and a half points. Well, you got the team total right, but not the +24. Second place in the voting at 30%. Wake Forest plus 24 and under 46 and a half. Both of those were incorrect. 41% went with the correct answer. Notre Dame laying 24 points. And the over-under for these two teams, 46 and a half. It ended up at 52, 45-7 fighting hours. So 41%, those that had... Notre Dame minus 24 and over 46 and a half. You are absolutely correct, so congratulations. All right, today's question. Our sportsbeat slash insideindysports.com Twitter X question of the day. Who gets the ultimate game ball from the Notre Dame 45-7 win over Wake Forest? Here are the four choices I'm offering you. The Irish offensive line did not give up a sack despite a new look on Saturday with Craig and Shrout in the lineup. Second choice, quarterback Sam Hartman, 277 yards and four touchdowns. How about Rico Flores Jr., the Irish receiver targeted nine times, eight catches for 102 yards. Your fourth choice, the Irish defense only giving up 232 total yards and seven points. Cast your vote right now on my Twitter X account at 960 Sportsbeat. We've reached the top of the hour. A sports update is coming up, including a scoreboard look at Indiana and Purdue, both in action right now. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, South Bend.
1: Notre Dame football coverage continues now.
2: And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison. Three interceptions on the
1: day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat.
3: Intercepted on the 45-yard line. Tariq Bracey.
1: On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5. Touchdown, Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out.
2: It is a victory Monday on Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Thanks to the Fighting Irish football team putting together a great second half and putting it to Wake Forest 45-7 in the 500th game at Notre Dame Stadium. I'm Darren Pritchett, 13 minutes after 6 o'clock on this Monday evening. I mentioned Cree Thomas, 6'1", cornerback from Arizona, verbally committing to the Irish this afternoon, part of the class of 2025. We'll learn more about Cree from Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, the Notre Dame football beat reporter. I should say the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He'll be on the program tomorrow. I started the program with thoughts on the Irish offense against Wake Forest. We had to get to Tyler Horka, his interview at 5.30, so I left behind defense and special teams conversation. So let's pick up our conversation on the Wake Forest game with the Fighting Irish defense. Spectacular work by the Irish giving up only 232 yards of total offense to a Power 5 conference team holding Wake Forest to just seven points. And it's always nice to hear the coaches were grumpy that they gave up seven. They felt like they could have hung a zero. But honestly, that touchdown drive had a lot of quirkiness to it. Trick plays by Wake Forest. The five offensive linemen laying on their belly on a play. Wide receivers throwing passes, fake throwing passes. It was kind of a, a wild five, six minutes. But outside of those trick plays, Wake Forest's offense, it just never felt like it was going to put together multiple really good plays against Al Golden's defense. And at the end of the day, the starting quarterback for Wake Forest threw for 81 yards. That's it. Normally when you're down multiple touchdowns in the second half, you throw the ball, the opposition maybe backs off a little bit. In this case, nothing worked for Wake Forest in their passing game. The only good news, Michael Kern was not intercepted in this contest by the Ballhawks in the Irish secondary. But 232 yards of total offense and seven points is mighty impressive. We talk about Kern's day, 11 for 20, 81 yards, sacked three times. Wide receiver Jamil Banks, he was one of one for 17 yards. I think their best play was trick plays or just Kern scrambling and ad libbing at the quarterback position. But you know what? It's awfully tough to get much done against the number three pass defense in the country. A group of young men that Marcus Freeman is very proud of, but reminds everyone it takes 11 guys on defense for every play. To get the job done in order for everyone to excel like his pass defense.
3: The, the ability to play pass defense is is the confidence you have in your front seven or six to stop the run. Right? It, there's always that that one defender. If you're gonna commit him to the run game where you're gonna expose some things in the pass game, if you're gonna put him in the pass game, then you have to believe you can stop the run with six guys up front doing some things up front with your D-line. And so if you can't stop the run playing pass defense, then you're not going to be able to play a lot of pass defense. And so that's a credit to you know, Coach Golden and different schemes we use in our, our pass defense, but we can't play coverage is what we we can't play coverage if we don't believe we can stop the run with a, a light docks.
2: Softly nice for Al Golden when you can put on the field two starting corners that you feel really good about and you can get creative with the front seven. Cam Hart, Benjamin Morrison, As good of a combination that Notre Dame has had in recent memory. The great thing is they feel really good about some young guys that are being groomed right now. Mickey and Gray come to mind. Hart's going to be a pro next year. Benjamin Morris will be back for one more year, more than likely, his junior campaign, then we'll see how things go from there. But the position's in really, really good hands. Coach Mickens' development recruiting right now is absolutely top-notch. Getting Cree Thomas today for the class of 2025. So at the end of the day, the Notre Dame defense at home this season against Tennessee State, Central Michigan, USC, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and Ohio State, they gave up a total of the eight touchdowns at Notre Dame Stadium this season.
3: You know, obviously the, you know defense of football has a special place in my heart just because of how I've grown up in the game and, and I was talking to coach going after the game and I mean we're upset about seven points and um, we're really upset about seven points you know and, and they did some good things in the first half that really we hadn't seen on film but the adjustments that we could make, that Coach Golden can make. It's credit to Coach Golden and their staff that they could make. And, uh, man, they they, they have answers, you know, and and they're able to get the adjustments to the players, and the players can go out there and execute. And so I've always had a mindset, if they don't score, they don't win. And um, we can't. We have to evaluate ourselves, every individual, right? And that's a reflection, I think, of our entire team is, it's easy to point the finger at somebody else, and and all that does is make you feel better about yourself. That doesn't help our team get better, and so I know tomorrow we're going to be in there, and we're going to critique every single play, and I'm sure defensively there's going to be a lot to, to improve from, but I like to be upset about seven points.
2: That is a very nice problem to have. Good work by Al Golden and the defensive staff once again. They did have 36 carries for 134. 3.7 3.7 yards per carry and one touchdown. But the passing game, not existent. Notre Dame defensively, Howard Cross having another terrific outing. Led the team with nine tackles, three solos, six assists. Also had a half a tackle for loss. Linebacker JD Bertrand, five solo tackles, six total, a sack and a force fumble. Javante Jean-Baptiste, four solos, five total tackles. He also had a lot of other stuff, a sack, one and a half tackles for a loss, a block kick, and a quarterback hurry. The old Buckeye has really showed up for the Irish over the last couple of months of the season. Thomas Harper, the transfer from Oklahoma State. Riley Mills having a big year. They also had a sack in the ball game. Special teams, Spencer Schrader, one of two in field goal attempts. He missed from 47 in the first quarter. He was good from 37. Irish recovered an onside kick. They had six total kickoffs, three touchbacks. Wake Forest had three kickoff returns for 54 yards. You know, you're aggressive. You get the onside kick, and then a very conservative offensive approach after that was a bit bum-fuzzling. Punter Bryce McPherson, two punts, averaged 32. On punt returns, Chris Tyree, one for five. Jordan Faison, man, he's fun to watch. On punt returns, one for eight yards. And on the kickoff return game, Jadarian Price had one kickoff return for 26 yards. The result, Fighting Irish 45 and Wake Forest 7. So that wraps up the Fighting Irish home schedule and the fighting irish finished the home schedule with a record of 5 and 1 the victories after the trip to dublin they beat tennessee state 56 to 3 put together a strong second half to finally pull away from central michigan they're now a 5 and 16 by the way 41 17 was the irish victory Offense, defense, special teams all scored against USC, and they're a mess right now. Irish beat the Trojans 48-20. Again, a lot of contributions from everywhere as they beat Pittsburgh easily 58-7. On Saturday, you beat Wake Forest 45-7. That only hiccup was the game against Ohio State in which the fighting Irish... We're one second away from victory. And you just, don't you wonder what if, just a little bit, if the Irish win that game, do things go differently against Louisville, Clemson? It's the what if game. If we asked 10 different people, we'd probably get 10 different answers, to be quite honest. But you do wonder, you beat Ohio State, what happens? I know this, the top of the college football playoff rankings would look a whole lot different with the Buckeyes outside of the top four going into their matchup in Ann Arbor against the team up north on Saturday. So at the end of the day, outside of the disappointment of not being able to close out Ohio State, the Fighting Irish went 5-1 and one at home this year, outscoring their opponents 248
3: to 54. You know, I, Tyler, it, we, we talk about it often, how special it is to play um, in Notre Dame Stadium, the the history, the um, the tradition. Uh, we take pride in, in, in our performance in Notre Dame Stadium. And that doesn't excuse us for, you know, obviously the performances that we have to have on the road. Um, But I think there's a sense of of pride when you walk, come out of that locker room, you touch that play like a champion sign that you you carry when you take this
2: field. So the Fighting Irish playing their 500th game in Notre Dame Stadium history. They are 377-118-5. and You look ahead to next year, the home schedule is interesting. After you start the season at Texas A&M, you come home, To take on this year, a pretty decent MAC team, the Huskies from Northern Illinois out of DeKalb. Then you've got Chuck Martin, the former Irish assistant under Brian Kelly, bringing Miami, Ohio to town on September the 21st. And Miami will play for a MAC championship soon. The following week, a rematch with the Louisville Cardinals as Jeff Brom brings another team to Notre Dame Stadium. October 12th. It is Stanford coming to South Bend, and then you've got a long wait for the next home game. October 12th against Stanford is followed by November 9th against the Florida State Seminoles. And what a devastating day for the Seminoles on Saturday playing North Alabama. They're all everything quarterback. Jordan Travis going down with a significant knee injury. He is out for the season. He has announced on social media. His college career is over. Just a, a horrible situation, and North Alabama, on top of everything else, led Florida State 13-0. The Seminoles responded and then put a easy win together eventually over North Alabama, but the Seminoles not having their starting quarterback, that could cost them a spot in the college football playoff. So November 9th, Florida State comes to town next year, then a struggling program, Virginia, on November 16th. There is one opening on the Irish schedule since Miami Florida will no longer play the Irish next year due to some scheduling conflicts with the Hurricanes. So the rumor has been the Irish will play Army. We'll see if it's in South Bend. Will it be a Shamrock series game at Yankee Stadium? I mean, who knows? But November 23rd is an opening on the Irish schedule. And if you want to do something in New York, you got to stay away from October. Not that the Yankees are going to make the World Series. They don't do that anymore. But just in case a miracle does happen, you got to stay away from October. So if they want to play Army up in New York, maybe it would be November 23rd. We'll see if the Army rumor turns out to be the game that will replace the Miami Hurricanes. Nothing has been announced as of yet. And you look at the schedule, 10-2 gives you a really good shot to make the new and improved 12-team college football playoff. You've got at Texas A&M, at Georgia Tech, at USC, you've got Navy at MetLife, and the major games at home, you would have to argue Louisville and Florida State. Seems manageable, but who's going to be the starting quarterback? Who's going to be the left tackle? Who's going to be the starting running back? Will the three Irish linebackers that started this year all be back? A lot to figure out between now now and the start of next season home schedule in the books it goes fast doesn't it 627 on your home of the fighting irish sports radio 960 WSBT if you have breathing triangle issues like compromised nasal breathing and sleep snoring or even sleep apnea issues a call to advent makes sense because breathing well will help you live better
1: can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app just search WSBT radio in the app store and google play now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host Darren Pritchett
2: 632 at WSBT hope you had a terrific weekend few days early, but happy Thanksgiving to one and all. We'll have a sports beat Tuesday and Wednesday. will be done at 6.30 on Wednesday due to Notre Dame basketball. Home game against Maryland Eastern Shore. Tony Simeone starts the coverage with the pregame at 6.30, the tip at 7. We will not have a show on Thanksgiving Day. We'll have NFL football, though, for you. And then on Friday, no show as I'll be calling Notre Dame hockey at the Compton Family Ice Arena against the second-ranked team of the country and, and always a fun rival to square off against, the Boston College Eagles. Come on out. It's going to be a fun, fun hockey game. Number 18 Notre Dame and number 2 Boston College Friday at 4. If not, I'll have the call on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM, and we will have, I believe, some NFL football. During Sportsbeat on Friday, as we have our first ever NFL scheduled game on Black Friday, it is the New York Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson was benched at the end of yesterday's game against the Buffalo Bills. And now we find out today he is third string for the Jets going into their matchup on Friday. All right, 633. At WSBT, we broke down the Irish offense's success in the second half against Wake Forest earlier in the program. Let's remind you, Irish quarterback Sam Hartman against his old team, Wake Forest, 21 of 29 for 277 yards. He had four touchdown passes in the ballgame and also no interceptions. And how about a great job by the... Fighting Irish offensive line and the other protectors as Sam was not sacked in the ball game. And that's with Ashton Craig starting at center, Billy Shroud at right guard. Statistically, Wake Forest has been able to put pressure on quarterbacks, but Notre Dame did a great job. The play-action game really helped Sam in this ball game. And of course, a very steady running game spearheaded by Audric Estime. Fighting average head coach Marcus Freeman after the game on Saturday offering his thoughts on his starting quarterback.
3: You know he's a poster child for consistency. Um, you know we, we tried to create some some early success some early easy throws. Uh, you know one was dropped or maybe thrown a little bit high but uh, he was able to just really get to the sideline um, focus on what he had to do. Hey what did you see and, and really went out there and performed um, really well and it can't be easy. I've done it as a coach. Um, I remember a couple years ago we played Cincinnati, right? and, and there is normal distractions that there, the human element presents when you play a, a, a team, an opponent, where you know every person on that side like Sam does, it's different. He was with those guys for five years with that coaching staff. And so for him to be able to put that distraction away and really um, perform the way he did is a testament to, to who he is and, and the confidence and the consistency that he provides.
2: After the ball game, Sam met the media and had some fun telling some stories from the sideline, but also spending some time talking about the victory. A weird game facing his old team, but also a game in which his young wide receivers really helped him put together a really good passing performance by the University of Notre Dame. So this was from Saturday after the game, fighting Irish quarterback Sam Hartman.
5: Sam, that stretch after halftime with with the fumble and then the touchdown on, on next play, uh, how much did it mean to you guys to start the second half like that? Yeah, I mean I think it was huge. Obviously, you know it was it was a game. You know, coming out of halftime, and um, you know I felt like we were we were executing. And again, we just needed to finish a couple more drives in the first half, and um, obviously did that going into the later later half of the game. And again, our defense all year puts us in positions to make plays. Special teams, um, again, you you know you get a block kick and a um, an onside kick recovery, you know, it's it's uh makes our job a lot easier on offense. And were there any nerves for you, you know, given facing your former team and last home game or early in the game, and then how were you able to bounce back from a couple of no score possessions on offense? Um, I mean, I think it's the ebbs and flows of games. I mean, we were filling them out; they were filling us out, and um, you know, there's I'm sure there's corrections on the tape, but you know, it's um, it was a it was a it was a weird game. I mean, I think uh, to say it was just another game is would be lying. I think. Uh, Saj may another hundred yards for the boy. Um, damn, he actually went for one twenty four. That's impressive. Uh, no, I mean I, I think it was a, you know, it's an emotional game. I think a senior um senior night, second senior night, but here at Notre Dame, you know, obviously it's you know, it's an unbelievable send off for our guys and it it's always gonna point to me and be in the wake force, you know, whatever and um, but I was just happy to see us go out there and execute as a football team. I think we've been um, especially on offense, been dying to do that for the past really three, four weeks, and um, you know, for our fans to to get a performance by us that that is I felt noteworthy and um, a fun experience and a game I'll always remember. We'll go to Austin next, second row on your right uh, Band bone, Are we going to keep this? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, it just kind of keeps the hair out of my face. I'm not up here just fixing my hair constantly, so that's probably I mean, you know it. you go with it. Um, you moved to fourth all-time in career passing touchdowns FBS history tonight. Um, what does that mean to you? Um, just happy for a win. I think uh, when I come back here and um, and RP showing me me and my kids around, I'll I'll make sure that he brings that up without uh, pretty organically. So that that's about it for me. I think it's uh, uh it's it's a credit to everybody. I mean, shoot, it's a credit to a lot of the guys on the other team um, that we just played, which is a weird weird thing to say, but. Um, I think it's it's a credit to just everybody around me making plays and, and making catches and blocks and all that other thing.
2: And then just after the last two performances you had
5: you know, without throwing touchdown passes, how important was it just to kind of bounce back and have a a game like this where you were in control for most of the night? Uh, I mean, it's huge, but it, it just goes to show the, 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 ebbs and thro- the ebbs and flows of college football. Um, and again, you're going to say it's the defense that you're playing, the team, whatever. I, I mean, I think just... Some nights the ball is bouncing your way, and some nights it's not. And um, just really proud of our guys for battling. Um, obviously, you know there's um, there's narratives when you you lose games, and you're coming into these last two. But uh, you know I felt like we handled our business, you know, like we needed to. We'll go to Tyler on your left, second row. Sam, what was it like to see the wide receivers have the performance they've had today, considering the ups and downs they've had throughout the season? Um, I mean, I think it's it's all over that you just saw guys executing. Um, you put on a tape from the weeks before and it's one guy here, it's myself there, it's this person there and you know, it was just a complete game and um just proud of everybody and especially the coaches too, right? They believe in us putting a, a game plan out for us to go execute and just you know, getting getting stuff done. Christian. The fan base here at Notre Dame Stadium certainly has embraced you. The video board production crew seems to have embraced you as well. <laughs> well. How have you handled all that? Was that something that you were willing to embrace or is that something you sort of big begr- begrudgingly embrace? I mean, it's a part of the position. Um, I try and give it to Steve because he's as deserving as anybody. Um, obviously he's got a big uh, big career ahead of him, and I mean, some of the throws he's been making, he was three for three is his p- career percentages right now are looking really good. He must, yeah, he's probably an all-time stat leader. If he just I think he should walk away from it all. Totally kidding, but if he does, he's probably be record books for sure. But no, it's just great. Um, you know the the student section, that's not everywhere in the country that everybody's staying. and and you know I don't the marshmallows, I will say a funny story, and this is gonna be the last thing I say. Sorry. but it, I'm walking, and I'm not mad about this. It was incredible. I got a hot chocolate on the sideline. Yes, we have hot chocolate on the sideline. I, I was done playing, and I'm walking, and some some girl, and I they I, re, I if I saw her right now I'd know who she is, but I don't know her name. Threw a marshmallow from like the student section, like not the close student, like, I mean it was like a 30 yard shot, landed <laughs> in my, my in in my hot chocolate, and I'm like who like one of my teammates just did it, and I I'm like kind of like oh really funny guys, and then I look up and. This girl is going nuts and she just dunked in there. And then, obviously, ceremoniously, I chugged it. But um, (laughs) I appreciate you guys. uh, Just want to thank obviously, they're not here anymore, but um, obviously, Storwick and AD and um, Father John, RP, Katie, uh, the media, all the custodians, the the fans. um, It's been an incredible journey. I know it's not over yet. We got two more left, but um, thank you. This is my message of thanks to everyone who's been a part of this, to you guys. Um, to everybody. Thank you. Go
2: Irish. What an awesome dude. What a great guy to have in an Irish uniform this year. Played a great game on Saturday and now a chance to take on Stanford on the road Saturday at seven o'clock here on WSBT radio and maybe facing an SEC opponent in a bowl game to be determined. Maybe January 1st. We'll see. 641 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT.